0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. If my voice sounds weird, it's because I just nearly choked on water. Some of you, I'm sorry to say, will be upset I didn't. (laughs) I've seen the hate mail. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number, if you wish to be a part of this here program, 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. Look, we will get into Build Back Better. We will even get into the bison-helmeted biblical donkey going to jail but I gotta start with something else that I think is actually more fundamental, and I don't know that people on the left understand or appreciate just how bad the situation is. And I'm not talking about Biden's poll numbers. I'm not even talking about the Democrats in Washington per se. I want to. NBC has a, a opinion site called Think. They run a lot of wackadoo stuff, I've got to acknowledge. But this is kind of emblematic of the problem Democrats nationwide are facing, progressives are facing, and why I think conservatives should not be so angry or discouraged about the state of things. Here is the headline. Schools face parents who want to ban critical race theory and don't get how teaching works. And the subtitle is... An educator's top goal is to teach students to think. Parents who dictate curricula with their personal opinions, ideologies, and biases hinder that goal. Now, I'm going to read for you a portion of the beginning of this, and I, I want to say something real quick. I've had a couple of angry listeners uh, email me and say I'm I'm reading too much. It sounds lazy. I have a philosophical opinion on this. Um, there are times I think I have to read for you the article itself so you understand the context. Because so many hosts, I think, uh, will characterize something and potentially mischaracterize it or take it out of context. I, I think I do a disservice to you if I don't give you the actual word so you can contextualize it yourself. I, I'm not here to think for you. So I, I just just a little bit of this. Parents and politicians across the country are interfering with the curricula that public schools use to teach students. State legislatures are passing laws to keep critical race theory out of schools. Literary classes like Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye are banned for sexual content, and school libraries are coming under attack for containing books about gender. There are even parents who are trying to shield students from learning about mental health and suicide as though helping children build emotional fortitude is a bad thing. While the political climate and national involvement in school districts give the phenomenon a broader platform and have more serious ramifications, this behavior is nothing new. Parents have always tried to interfere with curricula, as I observed when teaching middle school in the mid-2000s. Even then, there was no shortage of parental input about the content of my instruction from books to test questions. Part of the problem is that parents think they have the right to control teaching and learning because their children are the ones being educated, but it actually gasp. She actually puts in parentheses gasp exclamation mark doesn't work that way. It's sort of like entering a surgical unit thinking you can interfere with an operation simply because the patient is your child teaching too is a science unless they're licensed and certified. Parents aren't qualified to make decisions about curricula. In fact, parental interference can actually hinder student advancement. An educator's primary goal is to teach students to think. Parents who attempt to influence curricula with their personal opinions, ideologies, and biases hinder that goal. I want to read for you again the last paragraph. Now, this, is a, a, this goes on and on and on far longer than that. But let me read again this last paragraph. Teaching, too, is a science. Unless they're licensed and certified, parents aren't qualified to make decisions about curricula. In fact, parental interference can actually hinder student advancement. And educator's primary goal is to teach students to think. Parents who attempt to influence curricula with their personal opinions, ideologies, and biases hinder that goal. I send my kids to a classical education program, and in the elementary school, the goal is memorization. You memorize a whole bunch of facts, and then you get into middle school, and you learn how to process those facts. And then you get into high school and you learn how to argue and debate and and use reasoning and and the, the facts that you learned in elementary school to build a comprehensive way to think about the world. I don't disagree that part of education is teaching kids to think, not just to memorize raw data. The problem is that Educators themselves across the country, in many cases, are the ones using their personal opinions and ideologies and biases not to teach kids to think but to indoctrinate them and that's parents the problem for parents that this person doesn't understand this and that this person is emblematic of the whole situation on the left is kind of the problem that we're dealing with as a society the level of arrogance to say that parents unless they're licensed and certified aren't qualified to make decisions about whether their children are learning is actually Nonsense, but it is the sort of nonsense you get from an intellectual elite in this country that thinks by virtue of degrees, they are somehow better able to tell you what to do. You know what this reminds me of? The Wizard of Oz. Reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. The Scarecrow was a capable, capable person. But what did the Scarecrow want? The Scarecrow wanted a brain, if I only had a brain. And he gets to the Wizard of Oz at the end of the day. What does the Wizard of Oz say? Oh, you just need the degree. You just need the degree. And he hands him a diploma, as if the diploma somehow made him an intellectual elite. They think they did all of this work, and somehow they're now better equipped to handle their the parents' kids than the parents are. This is why they don't like homeschooling, by the way. Who, by the way, who, by the way, are, are the kids who always win the spelling bee? It's the homeschool kids. The homeschool kids are always the one who who do the best in the spelling bee and, and the math championship and the like. And what is the criticism of the homeschool kids? Well, they're they're socially maladjusted. And in some cases, they are. But I have a lot of friends who are homeschooled, and they're perfectly well-adjusted. There are also a lot of kids in public schools who are maladjusted. The arrogance of this, though, to think that parents' interference can hinder student achievement. Actually, you know, parental involvement in education is the number one sign of success of a student. The parents who are regularly involved in a student's academic life are the kids who do the best, I mean, this is well-documented. This is actually a data-based approach that parents who are actively engaged in their kids' education far outperform the kids whose parents are hands-off. Here's our problem, and this is beyond education. There is a level of populism growing in the country. in, in fact, uh, a buddy of mine actually, he sent me an email earlier today. It's an, uh, I'm on his email list. He's a very thoughtful person with a very small um, w- with a very small email list. And uh, where is his email from this morning? I, I can summarize basically what it says. He, wor- he worked for a think tank in Washington. This is not one where I need to actually um, read his email. But he, he, all the time, he worked for a conservative think tank, and all the time people would call in and they would lament, complain, and vent about the level of conspiracy theorizing. And, you know, I get it on this program. Uh, everyone has an opinion. Opinions are like rear ends. We all have them. And there are a number of people who have strongly held opinions and those opinions are in large part opinions uh, that may not necessarily reflect the way the world works, but they're not challenged by this. Like, for example, uh, all of you who—and I don't—I I don't mean to disparage you—that that, um, that uh, the COVID protocols—they're all about control. Well, it, it's it's a very easy thing to believe. And a lot of people believe that, that all the COVID protocols, they, they just want to control us. It's not about fighting COVID or anything else. It's just a control. Uh, you don't like them. You 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 despise them. You think they're the enemy and, and they're doing this stuff. So therefore, it must be about control. Oftentimes, these very easy one word or, or one phrase answers, uh, they don't really explain the way a complex multifaceted system works. But we like to boil things down to the essence and the essence for a lot of people is control. The problem here is that we, as people, like to boil things down to the easiest way to understand it. And for many of us with COVID, it becomes about control. But the elite in the country sometimes are incapable of breaking things down to be easy. And they want to over make things overly complex. And so on one side, you've got the the average person who wants the explanation boiled down to a way they understand it, and the elite who live in jargon, who cannot boil it down, who love to use the buzz phrases. Have you all ever been to, to, to corporate meetings where you get people in there about, about the vision cast of the corporation? Oh, you you, you Christian megachurch people love the vision cast. Let's vision cast the the holistic systems of flow for the dynamic recollaboration of the whole. That's what the experts do. You you. It's like the scarecrow again. The scarecrow. The moment he was given the diploma, could use a bunch of jargon that he didn't use before. He could do the complex math equations and spit out the the polysyllabic words. That's what the experts do. And the problem is the experts, by virtue of getting all the degrees of the letters after their name, every letter they add past their name is a several percentage cut of humility out of their system. And they get so many letters after their name, they lack the humility to understand that they actually, there's a lot they don't know too. And now the two sides are clashing more and more because the experts have decided in large part of response to the Trump administration and the rise of populism on the right, the experts have decided you people are know-nothings who know nothing, who can't do anything, and you need them to tell you how to live. It's for your own good. And the latest wave of this is with parents, that parents themselves are the problem. And you know where where ultimately all of this leads in a roundabout way? It is a willful refusal to acknowledge the failures of our academic systems in the country. They don't want to acknowledge that the system itself is failing. And they don't want to give the kids a way out because if they acknowledge the system was failing – the question would be how to fix it, and they don't have answers for how to fix it, and Republicans right now, conservatives do. It is to let the money follow the kids and allow the kids out of the failing system and allow the parents to send the kids wherever they want. And so they're left now saying it's the parents' fault. It's not the school, it's not the curriculum. But what's more than that, and what I'm really bothered by is that this this person who's writing about middle school says it's it's to make the kids think. You know. Law school is where you learn to think. College is where you learn to think. You can't learn to think until you've learned the basics, until you've learned to read, until you've learned grammar, until you've learned math, Till you've learned your science and your history. You can't process it all and be able to analyze it and think about it. And the schools are failing at the basics. You can't get a kid to think when you haven't taught the kid to read. You can't get the kid to think until you've taught them basic math, and the schools are failing at that. Perhaps, maybe just so, these educators have gotten too high-minded about their own capacities and have forgotten the basics themselves, that your kids need to learn to read, write, and do math. And these educators have given up on the basics And they've moved on. They've given up on kids' abilities to do these things. Think about all the people who want to redefine like ebonics and the like as as some some bastion against white supremacy as opposed to admitting you failed to teach basic grammar. Grammar is now racist. The things – have you noticed? The things that the elite have failed are now the things that are racist. They have failed to teach grammar, so grammar is racist. They have failed to teach history, so history is racist. They have failed to teach math, so math is racist. And they have to de-white all of these programs. And now they're saying it's to think critically. Again, your kid can't think critically when they don't even know how to read information. Until educators in this country— and the rest of us recognize that our American educational systems are failing, we're not going to be able to move on from this. But here's the thing, and this brings it full circle, parents have realized it. It's the educators and the Democrats who have it, and this is where this whole system for Democrats is starting to blow up as even liberal parents are starting to vote Republican just to stop the madness. Howdy, it's Eric Erickson. Your phone calls are welcome, 877-973-7425. We are awaiting the jury verdict in the Rittenhouse matter. There is speculation that it will come today. If it comes during the show, I will let you know as as it happens. Uh, The speculation is because it's Friday. Even I, when I was a lawyer, we always kind of knew that juries want to be done. They want closure and and a Friday is the perfect day to wrap up. So if your trial ended on like a Monday or a Tuesday and the jury got the case and it was kind of complex or or prolonged, you kind of knew by about 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, the jury's ready to be done with this thing and uh, they're they're ready to go home. And so either they're going to say they're hung, uh, meaning they can't arrive at a consensus or they are um, going to move on. Now, here's the thing. I, you know, that guy who was the um, who, who got shot admitted on the stand that Kyle Rittenhouse pointed the gun at him only after he himself had pointed his gun at Rittenhouse. He then went on ABC News the next day and contradicted himself on that. If there's a mistrial and they have a do-over because the jury can't decide, you know he's going to change his story. And that in and of itself is going to be significant. Uh, we will we will see how this goes, um, but my suspicion is that the jury will probably render a verdict um, before the day ends just so they can get out of there and be done and have some closure on it uh, come what may. Now, if they are hung, uh, meaning they can't reach a decision, the judge is probably going to push them uh, to go back in there and try to arrive at a conclusion. Uh, we will see. Now, when we come back, uh, we got more fun things to discuss. But first, including the bison helmeted biblical donkey. First, I gotta tell you, uh, the bacon wrap fillets at Omaha Steaks. So I had one of the bacon wrap fillets at Omaha Steaks for supper last night, and gosh, they're good. And you get them in the perfect gift package from Omaha Steaks because the holidays are coming and they got the perfect gift for you to give to your friends, for your family, for your coworkers, for for business clients, you name it. OmahaSteaks.com, if you put Eric in the search bar, you will see the perfect gift. You will get the Omaha Steak burgers that I love. In fact, you get eight of them for free. You will also get the bacon-wrafflés. You'll get chicken breast. You'll get the caramel apple tartlets, my wife loves. Uh, you will get a ton of stuff. And, in fact, you cannot go to the grocery store and get the amount of stuff that comes with this package for the price at which it is. That's how good this package is and their quality so much better. They age their beef. You're not going to get that from the grocery store. So go to Omaha Steaks. It makes a great gift for a client. It makes a great great gift for family and friends. It makes a great gift for yourself. You go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar, and you will see the perfect gift package and you'll love it. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Y'all, I want to – I want to – Tread on some some dangerous ground here, I think, and I need to begin by uh, reading an excerpt from Nellie Bowles, uh, who is a former New York Times tech reporter, who wrote this. You know Barry Weiss, who was at the New York Times as a uh, Substack, very popular Substack, and. Um, Barry has allowed Nellie Bowles to write this piece, and I just I, you you need to hear this because it relates to the bison helmeted biblical donkey who's going to jail for 41 months, but it's about Kenosha, Wisconsin. A note on Kenosha in light of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Until quite recently. The mainstream liberal argument was that burning down businesses for racial justice was both good and healthy. Burnings allowed for the expression of righteous rage, and the businesses all had insurance to rebuild. When I was at the New York Times, I went to Kenosha to see about this, and it turned out not to be true. The part of Kenosha that people burned in the riots was the poor, multiracial commercial district full of small, underinsured cell phone shops and car lots. It was very sad to see and to hear from people who had suffered. Beyond the financial loss, small storefronts are quite meaningful to their owners and communities, which continuously baffles the Zoom class. Something odd happened with that story after I filed it. It didn't run. It sat and sat. Now, it could be that the piece was just bad, I've seen in bad ones before, and I'll do it again. A few weeks after I filed, an editor told me the Times wouldn't be able to run my Kenosha insurance debacle piece until after the 2020 election. There were a variety of reasons given, space, timing, tweaks here or there. Eventually, the election passed, Biden was in the White House, and my Kenosha story ran. Whatever the reason for holding the piece, covering the suffering after the riots was not a priority. The reality that brought Kyle Rittenhouse into the streets was one we reporters were meant to ignore. The old man who tried to put out a blaze at a Kenosha store had his jaw broken. The top editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer had to resign in June 2020 amid staff outcry for publishing a piece with the headline, Buildings Matter Too. If you lived in those neighborhoods on fire, you were not supposed to get an extinguisher. The proper response, the only acceptable response, was to see the brick and mortar torn down, to watch the fires burn, and say thank you. That's Nellie Bowles writing in uh, Barry Weiss's uh, newsletter. Now, I want to play you this montage so that you have a sense of what she's talking about from the way the media characterized these things during the Kenosha riots and the, the George Floyd riots. I, I, I
1: just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state.
2: Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful.
1: Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When
2: they go low, we kick.
1: How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The
3: biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized, right up to the right.
1: I
4: thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, Well what do you think I should have done? I said I think you should have him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You well, would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said if we were in high school I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him.
5: Punch some people in the face When was the last time an actor assassinated a president?
0: they're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump and that's a fact.
1: Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our constitution are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
3: They're not gonna stop before election day in November and they're not gonna stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not gonna let up and they should not.
1: If you think we're
0: rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Thanks to Gravian for putting that montage together. Those are democratic elected officials and members of the media together all about the violence. And then you had the rioters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, many of whom with democratic prosecutions were given very light sentences, which leads me to the brain biblical donkey in the bison helmet. The guy, the QAnon shaman who stormed into the Capitol. Now, Here's, here's where I'm confused on things. After, after the storming of the Capitol on January 6th, numerous listeners and people on social media said that it was Antifa. It wasn't really Trump supporters. So I'm, I'm just, I'm perplexed as to why so many, Trump supporters are upset that this bison-helmeted guy got 41 months in prison because aren't you happy that an Antifa activist got 41 months in prison finally after all the light sentences in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Hmm? Aren't aren't you? Or are you willing now to concede it wasn't Antifa? Antifa had to be there. That's the sort of event Antifa shows up. I, I don't dispute that Antifa was there. I just don't think that they organized it. And this guy clearly was not Antifa. He was a QAnon guy. But here's the thing. There are a lot of people upset that this guy got 41 months when so many of the rioters who burned down Kenosha, Wisconsin, got very little time in prison, if any time at all. And I understand that. I I totally do. But our justice system is not defined by person A in city one, doing something, and we should hold the standard of justice to him based on what person Y in City 2 did in a completely different sort of crime situation with different charges. Our system doesn't work that way. You can be upset, but your upset shouldn't be that that this guy got 41 months in prison. It should be that the other people didn't. And there's a different side of this as well. You know who is upset that Antifa didn't and Black Lives Matters didn't get long prison sentences? The voters. Have you all seen what the voters are doing? I mean, I realize people are, are, have internalized that the election was stolen in 2020 uh, to explain Donald Trump's loss. But have you seen down ballot what happened? And this is one reason people say it was stolen, because Republicans did really freaking good everywhere other than the presidency. Republicans, there was supposed to be a Democratic wave, a backlash coming, and the backlash was the Republican wave neutralized the Democratic wave. Republicans were expected to lose a number of seats across the country at state legislative levels, gubernatorial races. Republicans really didn't lose anything. Democrats did. That was completely unexpected. Remember, Democrats were going to have a big wave in Texas. They didn't. In Wisconsin, the Republicans held on to the state legislature after the Kenosha riots. The voters are upset about it, and the voters are meeting out justice on the Democrats who failed in the justice system. The Republican response to this brain biblical donkey getting 41 months in prison shouldn't be that, well, the Kenosha rioters didn't get anything, so he shouldn't get anything. It should be they should have gotten it too, and the voters will pay back the Democrats for not doing it. In San Francisco, California, there's a recall effort against the DA out there, the George Soros-funded DA. In Orlando, Florida, the George Soros-funded DA couldn't run again for re-election because of the crime wave that she caused. Voters are responding. So I don't think that conservatives, if they want to play this smartly, should start behaving like progressives because the voters are rejecting progressives. We're going to be back to calling them liberals very soon. You know why we call them progressives right now? I assume you know because the liberal brand got so bad they had to rebrand themselves and go back to calling themselves progressives. Progressives were what they were originally called in the early 1900s. And then they changed to be called liberals because the progressive brand got damaged so bad. And now they're rushing back to call themselves progressives. But they've rapidly spoiled the label. You know what? Conservatives have not had to stop calling themselves conservatives. I don't understand this whole idea of we got to rebrand conservatism and rethink conservatism and redo conservatism. Why? Why do we have to upend all of our belief sets when the voters are rejecting the progressive left and coming towards us and now think that we, our long-term, long-held solution on education is the viable, brilliant option for education to allow the money to flow with the students? I'm, I'm not sure why conservatives are so angry. The voters are responding against the Democrats negatively because the Democrats have been light on crime, because they have wanted to defund the police. We should not be so insistent that the people who stormed into the Capitol on January 6th shouldn't be punished because the voters want them all punished. They want the writers punished too, and I got to tell you, I, it just again. I remember after January sixth, I was willing to call them out, and the number of well-meaning listeners. Said, I, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I, I realize you're getting your information from the mainstream media. But you know, if you watch this video on on on. On Rumble, you'll see it was actually – it was Antifa, and and if you look at these people who were there in the crowd, they were Antifa, and, and that, that bison guy was at an Antifa rally, and it's proof he was Antifa. And it really – you should stop saying it was, it was people who supported Donald Trump because it was really Antifa. I, I, I saw it on the internet. It must be true. Well, if it must be true, why are you people upset he got 41 months? Why are you upset? Antifa got it. Except so many of you really know. And, you know, the problem is I point this out and they go, I just, I can't believe you would point that out. I just, you're rubbing people's nose in it and I, I just, I, I'm, I I think it's it's all, you shouldn't rub people's nose in it. No, I'm just pointing out that uh, a lot of people had some level of delusion about what was happening and were trying to tell me I was wrong and, no and, oh, Antifa was there. You mark my words. We're going to find that Antifa was in Washington. We are. But I don't think we're going to find they were the organizers, and I think our outrage should not be that we have no system of justice because it's unfair what happened in why wash in Wisconsin compared to Washington. You can't do that. That's not the way our system works. For you to say that, well, because they didn't get have it coming to them in in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's, a, it's appalling that they hadn't come into them in Washington. That's not the way our system works. We have 50 states. The outcome in one state doesn't define the outcomes in the other state. It has never worked that way. But the voters are responding to it anyway, and the voters are responding in our favor. So I'm not sure why so many people on the right are outraged by this stuff. I really I am perplexed by the level of anger and rage on the right right now when so many voters are themselves headed to the right, and you're going to greet them with yelling? The fact of the matter is that you need to be good witnesses for your side. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ, when he was trying to get the early Christians to go out and say, preach, teach, and baptize in my name and beat the hell out of the other side? Yeah, that'll lure them in, won't it? Get in their face and yell at them. Yeah, that, that'll that'll make them Christian. Same way with, with the Republicans. Uh, let's get in their faces and yell because that's what the left does, and they're so dominant right now. Uh, have you paid any attention? The left is losing because they're doing that. Stop embracing their tactics and strategies when it's not even working for them you're just upset because they get better media coverage and you should stop being upset by that because that media coverage is a secret weapon for the GOP. And I'll get to that in a little while right now. I want to get to you. Listen, I can't sell you many more of the Gen 40 Eden pure heaters because they are running out because so many of you have bought them. So if you want one, you better go get one. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you see my name, Eric Erickson, there. You click through. You'll see the Gen 40 heater. It is a fan. It is a, a great fan with a heating element, circulates air, warms up 1,000 square feet very efficiently, and it will help you with your power bills this winter as the power is going up. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Put it in your cart. At checkout, you'll see a discount code. And in the discount code, you put Eric Heater, E-R-I-C-K, heater, all one word, You will be able to heat up that small space in your house, 1,000 square feet. I guess that's not really a small space. But anyway, you'll be able to do it. Now, I will tell you, I do put mine on the front porch with me when I have people over on Sunday nights when it's cold because I have a propane heater. But that propane heater only stretches out so far as well. And it can get really hot. So we can put the Gin40 out there and point the heater in someone's direction who's cold and warm them up with some good airflow. In the summer, you don't have to put this thing away because it's also got a great fan. You just run the fan. It is perfect. A two-for-one package. Right now, you'll get $20 off the lowest sale price and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Use the promo code at checkout, Eric Heater. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, There are rumors circulating online. That the trial, the jury has reached a verdict in Rittenhouse. If if so, we're going to spend some time, obviously, uh, digesting it as it comes in, uh, because I do think it's important, and we've all been paying attention to it. Right now, though, I just we're, we're waiting to confirm all that, and it'll take a while to get it all, the jury and everything out. If that's the case. 158 years ago today, something remarkable happened. And at the time, you know, it's kind of funny how there are little events in history that don't seem very consequential and turn out to be hugely, enormously important. Like uh, an Archduke was uh, killed in, in what, Bosnia, in, uh, it, it, Franz Ferdinand, and suddenly it started World War I. Was it majorly significant the day that it happened? But 158 years ago today, something very significant happened. A very small speech was given. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of it as a final resting place for those who died here that the nation might live. This we may in all propriety do, but in a larger sense we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, Who struggled here have hallowed it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, while it can never forget what they did here. It is rather for us, the living, to stand here, we here be dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they here gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. The world will little note or long remember what we say here. I had to memorize that speech in fourth grade. I had to memorize that speech. It was little remarked upon that day. It has become one of the most famous speeches ever given for its brevity and its power. It happened today, 158 years ago, at Gettysburg. And we should probably continue to take it to heart that we resolve that the dead shall not have died in vain. And we give ourselves a new birth of freedom, something so many people on both sides of the aisle these days seem to have forgotten that we're supposed to commit ourselves to. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show the full number. If you want to be on the program is 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. Uh, the Rittenhouse jurors have in fact uh, announced that they have a decision. The judge in the case is bringing them back in. I am working on getting the audio feed here so that we can bring it to you because I know uh, people are interested in this case. It is a, well, it's going to be interesting. uh, And there are some, there have been rumors spread by people who really don't know what they're talking about, that the jurors are worried that, People will burn down Kenosha if they come back not guilty. Uh, both sides are playing the system, playing the the crowd. It's remarkable there are 12 people who have sat there and seen the things they're supposed to see and and not seen those things they're not supposed to see. And by that, you and I, we've had a window into the whole thing. They have streamed the video of the trial. And they've streamed the portions of the trial where the jury is out of the room, and we've seen the arguments. We, we have seen the the uh, ability, the uptake of people to come in and and realize what's happening. And the jury has been out of the room for a lot of that stuff. The jury itself— has not seen stuff we have seen. So the perception of the jury, the the input of the jury, the view of the jury is remarkably different from what you and I have seen. Um, It is a a completely different situation because in large part, they were guarded in what they could and could not see. They were guarded in their interactions. Uh, They were guarded in their discussions with others. And we haven't had that. We've been able to engage in a conversation on social media. We've been able to engage in life in ways the jury has not. Uh, They were not sequestered, to my knowledge. The jury was not required to stay at a hotel. uh, But they were very, very carefully guarded by the local sheriff's office on orders of the judge. They were met at certain locations uh, to be able to, um, go to the trial. Let's see if I can bring some of this Western up here Wisconsin
1: right now in our Shimon procupets who has been covering this trial over the past, uh, couple of weeks.
0: That's or so CNN. I'm, I don't want to play their commentary. I'd rather give you my commentary as they wait for the jury to come in, uh, and review things, uh, waiting for people to come in and get settled. Uh, they're all sitting in the courtroom. They all look somewhat bored. Can you imagine what's going through Kyle Rittenhouse's head right now? Can you imagine that? It is, it, it, it's just got to be overwhelming to to see this, to, to think um, just the pressure. His whole life is going to change. His whole life. Is going to be defined by this. He will be remembered for the rest of his life as the kid who took matters into his own hands. And I don't know that we are we have had enough conversation in the country about why. Let's
1: listen, Shimon. What does the record the the
4: record? No, it doesn't need to be. Um There there can't be any reaction at all, no matter how strongly you may feel. And it's understood that many people do have strong feelings. But uh, we can't permit any kind of a reaction to the verdict. And uh, as you can see, there's quite a bit of law enforcement here. And you will be whisked out of here if there is any. So just be
0: aware. Here comes the jury. They're all standing as the jury comes in now. We have not had enough conversation in this country as to why a young man, a teenager, decided to go to Kenosha, Wisconsin to defend the businesses there. He wasn't going to fight Antifa. He was going to try to protect the businesses. And we've missed that in the conversation. You may not think he should have gone. I don't think he should have, but he did. That's the reality of the situation. And he's got a right to defend himself.
4: Hello. Would you go down, please? Yes. Thank you.
0: That was the judge talking to somebody. Everybody standing. Preparing for the jury. Uh, The video feed cutting out here momentarily. We'll come back to the video feed here as we try to get this verdict in on the Rittenhouse situation. I'm fascinated by it for a variety of reasons. And as I mentioned, one of the, the big issues here is I, I'm in the camp that says Kyle House shouldn't have been doing this. And, and I think that's objectively true. He shouldn't have been doing this. But the larger issue is he shouldn't have had to do this. And he felt the need to do it because local politicians had tied local law enforcement, their hands behind their back, so they couldn't. Now, let's see here.
4: Uh, has the jury reached a verdict as to each count of the information?
0: Yes, we have, Your
4: Honor. Uh, one verdict and one verdict only? Yes. Would you hand all of the paperwork to the bailiff, please?
1: This is the ones
4: that you did not know. Okay. Uh, everything. Okay. Yeah, thanks. May I see that, yeah. too, please? Uh, is- oh, I know, sorry.
0: By the way, you. I told y'all the jury would reach a verdict on a Friday. They always reach a verdict on a Friday. Not always, but mostly. They want to go home. They want to be done with this. So the jury writes their verdict down on a piece of paper for the judge to be able to review. He make sure that they have followed the procedures of the court. He make sure all the paperwork is in order. Paperwork's not in order. It can give the lawyer's cause to argue. The defendant and will
4: rise, face the jury, and hearken to its
0: verdicts. Here we go.
1: State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty.
5: There you go. As to the
1: third count of the information, unknown male, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony cry. Huber, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. He's
0: trying to hold it in, As but to he's the becoming fifth count emotional. of the
1: information, Gage Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle, a. Rittenhouse, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty.
0: Not guilty on Members all counts. Members of the
4: jury, are these your unanimous verdicts? He's, Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as he's read? having
0: a hard time sitting down.
4: Uh, would we you wait. wish the jury pulled? Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, folks. Your uh, job is done, and uh, we started.
0: His lawyers trying to just about three, three weeks ago,
4: and I, uh, caught, I told you it could last two weeks and two days. This is two weeks This is three weeks. Uh, you were a, a wonderful jury to work with. You were punctual. You were attentive. Um, and the
0: the clerk forgot six over of water here who had a, a, a very
4: difficult job of a hard time. Uh, Keeping from discussing the case during the time that they were sequestered as well, all of you—you just—I I couldn't have asked for a better jury to work with, and uh, it has truly been my pleasure. Uh, You—I think, uh, without commenting on your verdict, the verdicts themselves, just in terms of your um, the attentiveness and the cooperation that you gave to us, uh, justifies the confidence that the founders of our country placed in you. So, um, I dismiss you at this time. You're never under any obligation to discuss any aspect of this case with anyone. You're welcome to do so as little or as much as you want. Uh, The media have requested, a number of media sources have requested the ability to talk to you and uh, they have been uh, allowed Present uh, presentations to you that you'll get in writing and it's entirely up to you whether you want to contact contact them, they are not to contact you. Um, If anyone does contact you and just you tell them you're not interested in discussing it, if that's the case, Um, and if anyone persists in doing so, uh, report that to us and it will be addressed, I assure you. At the beginning of the trial, uh, there was some concern about uh, information and and your safety. And I assure you that we will take every uh, measure to ensure that that uh, your concerns are addressed and respected. Um, And um, I'm gonna talk to you for just a minute, not about anything to do with the case, but just about that sole issue and you, as they say, you're welcome to discuss the case as little or as much as you want.
0: That's the judge. Uh now, those lawyers beginning to cry there as the judge continues to talk to the jury. I, I want to take your phone calls if you if you've got something to say on this matter. Uh, the phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Yeah. The judges.
4: Is- or in the library, they can in the library. It's not going to be more than a minute. Or maybe it will
0: be. Answering some questions. Yeah, take them upstairs. That's fine. That. That's To so where to go. The judge wants to deal with the lawyers after the jury leaves the room. Everyone has ri- stood for the jury. The judge himself now standing for the jury as they depart. Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyers there shaking hands with each other beginning to smile and no longer cry. His family absolutely crying. Lawyers in the back now. Reporters beginning to file their stories. Sheriffs, deputies in the aisle, clearing people out as the jury goes.
1: You've been watching
0: as we have learned. I will stop from the CNN commentary. I was watching their feed. There you have it, folks. Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty on all those counts. Uh, What is remarkable is the only other count that the lawyers uh, through was the count of the possession of a weapon across state lines, which turned out factually not to be true, and the judge threw that out. Uh, and the really big issue here now is uh, the left wants some level of justice on Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, I, I, I want to real quick, before I go to commercial break here, I want to tie this back into the bison helmet of dude. People upset with him getting 41 months, uh, saying it was too much after the Antifa people didn't get anything. Kyle Rittenhouse was just found not guilty by a jury of his peers. The system works. doesn't work perfectly, but it works. It works. Provide people the facts, and it works. I was a lawyer for a number of years. I did uh, a number of jury trials. We all make jokes about the jury. What what is the jury, The, the 12 people not smart enough to come up with an excuse to get out of it? Our system is dependent on jurors. Our system is dependent on people who work the polls for local boards of elections. Our system is dependent on us. And if we give up on the system, the system will fail. And a lot of people have given up on the system and decided not to participate in it. And that actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and the system begins to collapse. The system itself begins to collapse because we ourselves choose not to participate in it. We have obligations to our system and our obligations include serving on a jury volunteering if we can to help conduct local elections, volunteering within the system. Uh, These jurors, they're compensated. I think a lot of employers don't do enough to encourage their employees to participate in the jury system. And I think it's something uh, companies in America need to rethink because the system depends on people willing to do this. These 12 jurors and their alternates because you had about double the number of jurors in case something happened along the way. They sat there, they listened to this trial, they heard the evidence, they saw the gruesome pictures, and they delivered justice. Twelve Americans, twelve citizens of Wisconsin have found Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all the counts. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And for that, we should appreciate the American judicial system. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. A lot of you want to weigh in on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. If you're just tuning in, Kyle Rittenhouse has been found not guilty on all charges. <laughs> the Onion, I you know, the Onion is rarely funny these days, but I do have to give it to the Onion. Uh, they now have a headline it says Kyle Rittenhouse just sentenced to 48 years of appearances at CPAC. <laughs> Uh, that that made me laugh. That was well done. Uh he will be there. Um I cannot it listen, the, the phone lines are open. You can call in. Those of you on hold, give me just a minute, because while I'm thinking about this, I, I wanna I wanna say it because otherwise I'll forget. I've got dad brain. I cannot begin to emphasize to you as someone who has done jury trials. The impact it had to have had. By the way, yeah, let me stop here as a side note. Do you know one of the guys that Rittenhouse killed was a pedophile? I assume you know that. One of the, one of the decedents is, he's not a victim, a decedent. He he is a pedophile, one of the deceased. The jury. Does not know that. Imagine when they find out. But I can't just, I can't emphasize enough the impact it would have on the jury to have that witness come onto the stand at trial and say upon cross examination with the video to supplement the narrative that Kyle Rittenhouse did not fire his weapon at that guy until he had pulled his weapon and aimed at Kyle Rittenhouse. And when he said it to have the district attorney do a face palm, literally puts his head down into his palm of his hand when he does it and he can't undo it. That witness went on ABC News the next day and tried to claim he, had, he was under pressure, he was under, under oath, and he's sorry, and, and and actually Kyle Rittenhouse pointed first, but it's too late. He doesn't get a do-over. He doesn't get a do-over, and the prosecution does not get a do-over. But the impact that would have on the jury, that that guy admitted that he pointed his gun first, completely undermined The case of self-defense in that regard. And then to have it turn out that Kyle Rittenhouse did not carry his gun across state lines as the charge had been, well, that too got that thrown out. So all you're left with are the uh, charges for murder and attempted murder. And when that guy says he pointed and the video shows before Kyle Rittenhouse fires a shot, he's being bashed in the head uh, with the, the wheels of a skateboard, That. Tends to undermine the prosecution's case. The sad thing, though, if we're really honest about it, is that the prosecutors had to bring the case because of the damage it would have done to Kenosha, Wisconsin, had they not. You let the white kid who killed people during the riots off without prosecuting him, there are going to be more riots. They were bullied into it by the mob, and, and y'all, this is something that we as a nation are going to have to come to terms with, and I think the voters are starting to come to terms with this in the way they're rejecting Democrats. If you continue to allow the mob to decide the flow of justice in the country, you're going to have a new mob come after that mob, the mob of voters who go into the ballot box, who want to be safe, who do not want their cities burned down. Kyle Rittenhouse, I don't think he should have been there. But he was there because the system itself refused to show up. And he decided to take matters into his hands with a group of well-meaning people. And he had every right to defend himself. He had every right to self-defense. Kyle Rittenhouse showed up because the system failed that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And he wanted to do something about it. He shouldn't have been there, but he should be commended for the courage to show up when the system that should have been there failed. When we come back, your phone calls on this, 877 973 7425. Well, I don't know about y'all, but all I want to do for the rest of the day is pop popcorn and watch MSNBC. <laughs> Joy Reid is going to be spectacular, I'm sure. All right. Uh, y'all want to comment on this? Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is over, not guilty on all counts. Let's go to the phones on this matter. I'm going to begin first with Patrick. Welcome to the show, Patrick.
6: Thank you, uh, Mr. Erickson. Um, remember when I said I wasn't your biggest fan? Well, I'd like to roll that back. Um, I've really been enjoying you very much. Um, so, my thoughts on <clears throat> on this is: I am so relieved that this jury did not kowtow to political pressure; that they followed the letter of the law, and it's it's refreshing it's extremely refreshing i personally believe that he should never have been there in the first place that that uh and i think that he should probably he may need to go to like a behavioral um treatment for 90 days just so he can figure out you know where cuz there was definitely something there was something that that i mean he put himself in a situation and and it it went badly but the letter of the law was followed, and that that is refreshing to me.
0: Yeah, look, I I gotta say, and and I'm I'm with you in that he I, he shouldn't have been. There. I understand why he felt the need to to do it. I, I I do, and I don't think he should have been there. I think the system, the of police and law enforcement there should have stood up. But uh, he was there, and he had just as much right to be there as the rioters had. He was not doing damage. Remember, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and others from the New York Times and the like were saying that uh, the destruction of property wasn't really violence because they had insurance, and it turns out many of them didn't. I just wish he hadn't been in a situation where he felt the need to do it, but he did, and he had every right once he was there to defend himself from the people who were there to do ill, he was not there to do ill, and they were, and, and that got lost in the media commentary. Think about all the people who were shocked by this verdict because they got their information from NPR and MSNBC, uh, where everything was skewed against Rittenhouse. It, it's unfortunate that there will probably be riots because of this verdict because so many people were lied to by so many people on TV. It's unfortunate. Now, uh, back to the phones we go, 877-973-7425. Dave, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Dave, you there?
3: Yes, I am. Welcome. Thanks for taking my call today, Eric. Sure. Does Carl have any recourse now that he's been found innocent on all charges? Any
0: civil recourse? um Well, he can uh, sue the bejesus out of many of the media networks who called him a white supremacist murder murderer. I, I, I think he, and what go ahead. I have one other
3: question. Why was, why wasn't there an, a, a request for change of venue instead of having the trial right there?
0: Uh, you know, that, that is a really good question. And, uh, they did make a request for a change of venue. And the judge denied the request for change of venue. Uh, The judge said they didn't need it. Which, by the way, Dave, I'm actually really glad you raised that point because I would have forgotten to to bring up this subject. Thanks for the phone call. Um, For all the people in the media who said the judge was biased towards the defense, the judge would not allow the defense to change of venue. The judge would not allow the defense to bring up the prior record of the people who were killed. The judge would not allow the defense to bring up that one of the guys was a pedophile. The judge would not allow the defense to bring up uh, the, the uh, location of Kyle Rittenhouse's family that they lived there. And, and the reason Rittenhouse was there, the, the, the def- uh, prosecutor walked into that and let it come out. The judge did not allow the prosecution or the defense to bring up a lot of stuff they wanted to bring up. That jury rendered this verdict having no idea that one of the people killed was a pedophile, which could have uh, persuaded in their mind Kyle Rittenhouse's justification uh, and biased them towards Kyle Rittenhouse. The judge did not let that in. But so much of the media focused on the judge being in the tank for Rittenhouse— they didn't even care to realize they. he didn't allow a change of venue. He didn't allow the media to be kept out of the courtroom. He didn't allow all these things the defense wanted him to do. And the defense still won. Uh, back to the phones. Uh, Rooster, you're up next. Welcome.
5: Hey, Eric. Uh, enjoying your show today. Thank you. Uh, I had kind of a comment, kind of a question. With him being covered in such a negative light in the mass media, and everyone's saying that he got off with murder and such, according to the left-leaning politics. What's, gonna, what's his life going to be like now that you're going to have left-leaning uh, vigilantes thinking to take out their pol- political views out on him?
0: See, this is what I worry about for the guy is his life is going to be defined by this. Like, uh, what is it, George Zimmerman who killed Trayvon Martin? Um, Kyle Rittenhouse is, he's going to be defined by this for a very long time. And the left is going to come after him. Eric, is he
5: going to, Eric, is he going to have to go like into some kind of protective or is he going to change his name or or what's it going to take for him to be safe?
0: Um, I suspect he's going to need to disappear for a little while. I, I think he is, uh, for his own good. He probably needs to take some time. Now, remember, though, uh, GoFundMe and, and, and sites like that refuse to allow people to contribute money to his defense. They, they shut down the fundraisers. Uh, surely there are conservatives out there who are going to recognize how this guy got a terrible raw deal by the media, and they're going to want to do their best to, to help him uh, rest, relax, recover, and figure out what to do with his life. Someone needs to do that. Uh, someone needs to make sure that Kyle Rittenhouse can get on with his life having been found not guilty. And that's kind of the sad thing here is though found not guilty, the media and the left did their best to perceive him as guilty and to define him as guilty. And his whole world is going to change. You know, one of the other things here is how so many people are saying that this is proof white guys can get away with it. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, the people who were killed were white. And the people who were killed who were white were there to burn down black businesses. That is not in dispute. And yet so many people want to turn this into a race thing when it was actually Kyle Rittenhouse who was there trying to defend the businesses of non-white people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the rioting was. And it was those white people who tried to attack and kill Kyle Rittenhouse who died who were there to burn down those businesses. We should not forget those important facts in this situation. Gary, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hi, Gary.
5: Hi, Hi. how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, sir. Um, I just want to make a quick comment for everyone on on other media sources, um, including social media sources that spoke about uh, his uh, unlawful possession of firearms, him being where he shouldn't have been him defending himself. And that being improper, you said it a second ago, and you're absolutely correct. One, he had every right to be where he was. This is still America. It's still a free country. The right to defend yourself is still constitutionally protected. The right to bear arms is still constitutionally protected unless it was illegal for him to possess that particular firearm in the manner in which he possessed it. But everything seemed to be under the letter of the law. And I was very relieved to hear the jury's verdict on that. Um, it, it, I, I hope that this is a wake up call to, to other people that still believe in the constitution that, this is America. We have rights. And I think the the right to bear arms and the right to defend ourselves, um, we we won that
0: today. We, we did. That's well said. Thank you, for, Gary, for the phone call. I, I, I want to play real quick. Uh, Eugene Robinson on MSNBC after the jury listened to this.
7: The reason they were coming at him was they perceived him as a deadly threat because he had this huge military-style weapon and was running up and down the street, and they were just trying to in effect, protect themselves, but the prosecution didn't really make that case. They argued it in closing arguments, and and then of course uh, the the judge in this case has a long history of being pro defendant. You know, look in our legal legal system, if you want a judge to lean one way or the other, you want the judge to lean toward all. Defendants rather than leaning toward all prosecutors. So, you know, it's so there are unique things about this case. What I, what concerns me though, is that the result will be seen as a vindication of. Vigilantism of of what Kyle Rittenhouse was doing. The larger context of what he was doing, um, you know, during these demonstrations over the shooting of of Jacob Blake, uh, he came across state lines carrying a military-style assault weapon um, with the with what end? What aim? What end?
0: Now, I can stop it there, and I also want to read you this tweet by Mayor Bill de Blasio. Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum are victims. They should be alive today. The only reason they're not is because a violent, dangerous man chose to take a gun across state lines and start shooting people. Uh, Eugene Robinson and Bill de Blasio, I may not like them, but they're not really dumb people. Okay, well, maybe de Blasio. Eugene Robinson is not. And yet they believe that Kyle Rosenhaus went across state lines with a military-style weapon. It was an AR he didn't go across state lines with a weapon that was disproven in the trial that was one of the charges it was thrown out because it was disproven in the trial. Do, do they not know did they not pay attention do they not care about the truth and the facts it was he did not cross state lines with a gun he did not that was proven at the trial did they not watch the trial did they not pay attention just that they'll just make up whatever they want uh, back to the phones john you're going to be up next welcome Hi, Eric. Hi there. I was just wondering uh, how, much, how much of the dirty antics by the prosecutor led to this verdict, even though I agree with the verdict. Oh, look, I, I think the pro- the moment the prosecutor did, did the the facepalm when that guy said that uh, he pulled his gun on Rittenhouse before Rittenhouse shot him, that was one of the key moments, I think, to persuade the jury something was up. The, the prosecutor did yep. along the way a terrible job. I mean, remember, it was the prosecutor who literally pointed the gun with his finger on the trigger at the crowd. You don't do that. Uh, You don't do that. I, I had somebody call and say, This gun's been in evidence since it happened. You know it was empty. They looked down the barrel and they saw no bullet. It doesn't matter. You do not do that. These things, I mean, the prosecutor was inept. My buddy Dan McLaughlin uh, just tweeted this out, Baseball Craig, on Twitter. Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty of the charges against him because Kyle Rittenhouse was not guilty of the charges against him. Everything else is noise. Yep, well said. Uh, let's go to Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, how are you? Is everybody coming up to you? telling totally doing again? well. Let's how go. are you? Good.
6: Uh, yeah, so I had a question. Uh, does Kyle Rittenhouse have a means of going after the – News organizations that have slandered his name.
0: Oh yes, yes he does, uh, yes he does. Now here's the thing you have to understand about this: the the way defamation law works in this country, uh, famous people cannot file a lawsuit. Like it, it, I I can't. Uh, I if someone wants to slander me, the the bar is kind of high because I'm a, a a somewhat famous person, having been on TV and having a, a nationally syndicated radio show, Kyle Rittenhouse they would argue, well, he was famous in that instance, and therefore what they say falls under the exception of the rule he's got to prove malice. The problem is Kyle Rittenhouse was made famous by the media who sought to defame him. And if the media makes someone famous for the purpose of defaming them, uh, they don't have that defense in the First Amendment law uh, that he's got to prove malice. They clearly were malicious here against him anyway. Uh, The the level of willful ignorance— of the claims against Kyle Rittenhouse are staggering. And uh, the attacks they will use now on the Second Amendment over this, you can see them coming. You know, speaking of the Second Amendment, one of the groups that funds the Second Amendment cause in this country is Patriot Mobile. And if you do business with Patriot Mobile, a portion of their profits go to funding the Second Amendment cause and the pro-life cause in this country. In fact, a lady um, emailed me last night. She said she called them. Uh, she got a free activation, and then she has multiple lines in the house, so she got a discount. Then she was an NRA member. She got a discount, and there was something else, like a teacher or something. They they gave her multiple discounts, and she wound up saving a lot of money moving to Patriot Mobile. And you can, too. You know they've got 100% U.S.-based customer service, and they don't use their own towers, which is kind of ingenious. They use the towers of all the other cell phone companies. Congress passed a law several years ago that uh, gave birth to companies like Patriot Mobile. They can use all that infrastructure. So you can get 5G. You can get data. You can get great wireless all over the country. And you can get free activation using my name. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them, 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT is the number. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You can save money. And you're working with a company that not only shares your values, but puts its profits towards advancing those values, which is something rare these days, and it's a good thing. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. This is out of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but it doesn't matter even if you're in Seattle, Washington, or I don't know, some faraway place that's still in the United States, Honolulu, Hawaii. They can help you because they help people nationwide. Well, they help businesses. They want to help your business. They've been doing it since the early 90s. Go to firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. The phone number here, if you want to weigh in on the Rittenhouse matter, 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. Susan, you're gonna be up next. Welcome.
1: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um I've got two points to make and I'll be quick as I can. First of all, um uh Rittenhouse has a could be just like Richard Jewell. I mean Richard Jewell, after the Olympic park bombings, he went after the media and nailed quite a few of them for large settlements. And mm-hmm. so um I think Rittenhouse is in a good um position to do so himself um, the other thing is is that I've been I have covered a number of large trial big trials in in Georgia over the years um, in a past career and um, I sat through the entire Ray Lewis trial um, he was the um, NFL player who was in that big street ball in right. Buckhead after the 2000 Super Bowl and it was him and two buddies, and and Lewis pled down to a lesser charge, but his two friends were still on trial for murder. And I sat through for the whole trial, and the and the prosecutors, they did a pretty good job, but they didn't do a good enough job. And if you if you don't do, if you really don't do, the full job, I mean i one of those guys might have killed somebody but that was a huge street ball with about probably about seventy people out there mm-hmm. and if I had been on that jury I would not because both of those guys um they they um were acquitted mm-hmm. and I think I would have voted also for acquittal because I just don't think the the prosecution in that trial did the job. Right. And I think it was the same with this trial. The prosecution just didn't do their job well enough to justify those kind of verdicts.
0: I'm glad you say this, cause, and I appreciate the phone call. I've watched, I did not watch every moment of the trial, obviously, because it's going on while I'm here with you guys. But I watched a lot of it, went back and watched parts of it, and I just the entire time thinking to myself, does the prosecutor want to blow this case? I mean, they can't not bring it, given the politics of, of Wisconsin. But I just thought, I, I mean, they're really screwing this up. And what you all have got to understand is that the burden is on the prosecutor. The defendant never has to prove he is innocent. The prosecution must prove he is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And they kept making so many mistakes in the trial, it just conveyed the impression that either they were inept or they were blowing the case in some way willfully. It was just – I was flabbergasted. Well, they did. They blew the case. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is not guilty on all counts. Uh, Apparently, MSNBC is in full meltdown right now over this. I'm hesitant to play it because I don't want to drop any F-bombs on radio from these people, but they're going nuts apparently. Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty on all counts. Boy, I had a lot of stuff I was going to talk about today. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, if you subscribe to my Substack page, you get the the podcast without all the ads and all the filler and stuff, and you get my show notes. And there will be a lot of notes for stories that I intended to cover uh, that I didn't quite get to today. That's all right. Uh, A lot of you want to weigh in now that this is over, the Rittenhouse matter, uh, and I want to be able to take your phone calls. The phone number is 877-973-7425. It's Friday. We're a little loose with the phones anyway, but I I, I want to start with my say, and I I won't fill up this entire time with me talking. I do want to get to your phone calls here in just a minute, but I, I want to say a couple of things. One. I think that Kyle Rittenhouse should disappear now. There are going to be unscrupulous people who want to use him for their own cause. And he should go back into obscurity. If he chooses to now embrace celebrity, he chooses to perpetuate the slander, and then he will have no defense to it. He should go back to a normal life, finish his education, and get a job, and hope to be forgotten about. I think that is for his own good. And he needs to be mindful if he chooses otherwise. There are gonna be a lot of people who want to use him for their own purposes, who will pretend to be his friends who are not. Two, I think when Kyle Rittenhouse goes back into obscurity, he should do so living comfortably having sued the major media outlets of America who slandered him, including Joe Biden, who used his picture to say, uh, the president of the United States refused to disavow white supremacists on the debate stage last night using a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse as his picture. And Ayanna Presley, who said a 17-year-old white supremacist, domestic terrorist, drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. No, no, he didn't. And then there were a host of celebrities who all tweeted out together, I want to live in a country where Colin Kaepernick is seen as a hero and Kyle Rittenhouse is seen as a terrorist. And then also Hakeem Jeffries, who said, lock up Kyle Rittenhouse and throw away the key. In addition to all the media outlets who claimed he went across state lines with a gun when he did not. The the American public has been given yet again another disservice by the American media, and there will be no self-reflection. We know it and distrust in the media will continue to foster, fester, grow, we know it, and they will still earn nothing and increasingly declare an allegiance to one side, which will breed even more distrust, more conspiracy theories, more nonsense, but also will pave the way through the creative destruction through their own lack of humility, of new media outlets who can capitalize on the the mistruth, distrust, and disinformation of the mainstream media. It's kind of sad to see them all rushing to affirm their priors with no self-reflection on any of this stuff. Now, your phone calls. Let us begin with Scott. Welcome to the program.
5: Hey, Eric. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, I can.
5: Hey, um Scott here, long-time listener, first-time caller. My question is, um, what message does this send to um, civilians like myself who prior to the outcome of this case, you know, if I thought I potentially saw someone in um, who's a suspect of a potential active shooter situation, uh, my level of engagement now in that scenario. Um, so for me, I feel like... I may not be as likely to engage someone who I think is an active shooter because if I end up getting harmed or killed in the process, they can claim self defense.
0: Well, you know, everyone can claim self defense. Uh, the issue there is you got an active shooter and his intentions are to cause harm, uh, then he does not have a right to self defense. So it bore on the trial pretty significantly that it became undisputed in the trial. Cal Rittenhouse was not there to cause harm, nor was he there to provoke. Um, it came out in his testimony. It came out in even some of the prosecution testimonies uh, that it really wasn't in dispute. The reason he went there was to stop bad people from doing bad things, not to provoke insight or do bad things himself. So in your active shooter scenario, if the active shooter – wanders into a school and his intent is to cause loss of life and someone kills him or is killed by the active shooter trying to kill him, the active shooter doesn't get to claim self-defense because the motive of the active shooter matters. So Rittenhouse's motive mattered with a self-defense char, or with the self-defense defense. His motive Was he went there not to engage in harm and cause chaos? That's what the defense, uh, that's what the prosecution wanted to show. He went not to cause harm, but in the process of everything else happening in the case, Rittenhouse had a right to defend himself. Listen, if you're going to kill other people and you kill someone who's stopping you, who's trying to stop you from killing those people, you don't get the right of self defense. Your right of self-defense comes in. You have the right to preserve your own life, but you don't have the right to preserve your own life when your intent was to take other people's lives. I hope that makes sense to you. If you're going into a riot situation and you're going to participate in a riot in some way and someone tries to kill you, you have the right to self-defense. But if you're going yourself to take the life of another, you don't have the right to claim self-defense when you stop someone who's trying to stop you. Motive matters greatly. Kyle Rittenhouse went to Wisconsin, actually had a job there, really didn't cross state lines the way they're saying it, as if it matters. But he was not going there to cause damage He was not going there to cause destruction, and he was not going there to cause death. Now, he got into a crowd in a situation that was possibly provocative, but he had as much right to be there as everyone else who was there. What then happened is other people tried to take Kyle Rittenhouse's life, not while Kyle Rittenhouse was trying to take someone else's life, and Rittenhouse had a right to self-defense, the background, the motive, the reasons, they all matter. And that's something the prosecution had a hard time dealing with in this case, but the jury implicitly understood. So an active shooter doesn't have the right to a self-defense claim by killing the person who's trying to stop the active shooter. Kyle Rittenhouse has a self-defense claim by killing the people who were trying to kill him when he was not then in turn trying to do terrible things. Back to the uh, calls. Dennis, you're next. Welcome.
3: Hey, uh, Eric. Um Thanks for having me. I love the show. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to comment on the Wren uh, House case. Um, you know, the media is focusing on whether or not he's guilty, um, you know, for murder. Um, but what they're not focusing on is uh, the real reason. And I got this from Tulsi Gabbard. She posted a, a thing on Instagram or something. And, um, and she made a very good point. The media is not focusing on state and local government for letting the protest get out of hand and turn into riots. And that's really the, the question we need to be asking. Why is state and local government, um, you know, I'm in Georgia as well, and um, I remember when, when the uh, riots were going on, uh, you know, in, here in Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottom really uh, didn't do anything um, and, and let the rioting, you know, escalate, escalate, escalate until, um, you know, National Guard was, was sent in and everything. But, um, but you know, it's crazy to think that the the, the local and state governments are letting people uh, riot. Because, you know, we have uh, the right to protest, but we don't have the right to riot and, and yeah. destroy property. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I think, Dennis, that is, that's a very good point. Because um, Kyle Rittenhouse would never have felt the need to go had local authorities done their job. You, you know, there's all this concern, like Eugene Robinson, I played his clip just a little while ago, about vigilantism. You know how you stop vigilantism? You allow the police to do their job. You want to stop future Kyle Rittenhouses? Let the police do their jobs. You want to you wanna stop bad things from happening and, and people rising up? Well, then you, you need to be willing to say that you're going to rely on local, local law enforcement and you're going to have their back to do things. In, he only exists, Kyle Rittenhouse only exists in a system of government failures. The government did fail. The government failed to keep Kenosha, Wisconsin safe. And so people like Kyle Rittenhouse decided they themselves, because they had family there, they were going to keep it safe. You want to stop vigilantes, progressives, you're concerned about this will embolden vigilantes? Well, stop trying to defund the police. Stop trying to say it's okay to riot. Stop trying to say burning down buildings isn't violence. You yourselves, caused Kyle Rittenhouse. Back to the phones we go. Bill, you're next. Welcome to the program.
3: I just think, uh, and thank you for taking my call, that this is a message clearly sent to the progressives or to, to the rioters, I should say, forget the progressives, anyone who's rioting, conservative or otherwise, that people, it's been reinstated that people do have the right to defend themselves. They did not want to hear this.
0: You're right. You're right. Um, it, it's, they, they don't want to hear a lot of things these days. Um, you just, you've got the right to self-defense. You, you've got the right to protect yourself. Now you don't have the right in this country, in any of the 50 States, nor have you ever had the right to use deadly force to defend your property. If you yourself are in the property and they're coming after it, then yeah, you have the right, but uh, you don't have the right to go out and, and gun people down from behind as they're there throwing a Molotov cocktail at your building. Uh, there there are limits to defense of property in the country, but you have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to defend yourself and your family, and you have the castle. If someone's busting in your door while you're at home, uh, you do have the right to shoot. If someone's busting in the door with a Molotov cocktail and you're inside the business, you've got the right to take out the bad guy. But again, if you want to stop all of this from happening, and if you're on the left, please listen to me. Please understand me if you're on progressive and you're upset with this story, if you're upset with this verdict, stop emboldening riots. Stop allowing rioters. Stop claiming that it's okay to burn down buildings because it's not violence. Because you will get more Kyle Rittenhouses and they will continue to be let go by juries As you are destabilizing society through emboldening rioters, through emboldening violence, through emboldening defunding the police, through emboldening making police the bad guys, the police in Kenosha, Wisconsin were glad to have Kyle Rittenhouse there. Because they couldn't stop the rioters from burning down businesses and they needed the help. Again, I you can't emphasize this enough. Listen, I understand there are some of you who are mad about this verdict, but I can't emphasize it enough. He would not exist in a world where the police were funded and encouraged to stop riots. But you had mayors across America, including the mayor here in Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who were fine with the rioters. Remember, in my city in Atlanta, there's a police officer on trial for murder. Because a bad man stole a taser, gave a police officer a concussion, fled, and then turned around to fire the taser at the police officer. And he pulled his gun and shot the bad guy running. And it's the it's the police officer who's being treated as the murderer. That police officer, Garrett Rolfes, his name is no murderer. He was doing his job. And yet local politicians want to make him the bad guy. And as long as we have situations like that, we're going to have situations like Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse is understandable and exists only in the society that progressives through their policies have made. The phone number here is 877-973-7425. So, uh, you know, Barry Weiss has a piece she just put up. Uh, I can give you the, the nugget of it if you're shocked by the Rittenhouse verdict. Reconsider the media you consume. I think that's probably a, a fair way to say it. One of the – the and I, I, I talk about this all the time. Maybe I'm too much of a broken record but it, but, but I want to actually read you um, something uh, you will be familiar with. Because we talk about it a lot. Uh, But I think that oftentimes people tend to ignore all of it. And it's actually uh, pretty fundamental to our society. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Congress shall make no law respecting the right of the people to peacefully assemble. You have the right to peacefully assemble in this country. To petition the government for redress of grievances. You have the right to assemble, to protest. You have the right to disagree. You have the right to go into the street to disagree. You do not have the right to unpeaceably assemble. The key word there is peace. You don't have a right to riot. You don't have a right to burn things down. You don't have a right to get that out of your system by being violent. And yet a lot of people in the media on CNN and MSNBC said you did. Chris Cuomo said protesters, there's no law that says protesters have to be peaceful. Yes, there is right there. Congress shall make no law respecting the right of the people to peaceably assemble. You got to do it peacefully. Peacefully. And yet they, they said that, I mean, these are members of mainstream media outlets were saying that it was okay for the rioters to do that. You know who didn't think it was okay for the rioters to do that? The 12 jurors in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who had to live through it. You think they didn't have any any bearing on their thought processes? You, you're not allowed as a jury. You're not required to to disassociate yourself from your community. You have to be a fair and impartial jury, but you can't tell the juror, well, ignore your lived experience. You've got to come at this as empty vessels. No, you have to come at this with the facts of this particular case unknown to you. But that doesn't mean your lived experience can't inform how you see the evidence. And their lived experience was those rioters showed up and the police couldn't do anything. I suspect that will have had some bearing on the jurors' frame of mind in this case. But also, again, to keep beating this dead horse by now, you don't want Kyle Rittenhouse, don't riot. You don't want Kyle Rittenhouse, don't defund the police. You don't want Kyle Rittenhouse, don't embolden people to destroy property claiming it's not violent when they do it. It is violence. It is violence against property. And will the left realize these things? There are already uh, people on the steps of the courthouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kamala Harris is first day as president. We haven't even gotten into that. Uh, Joe Biden had to give her the powers of the presidency and riots are starting, huh? Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. If you want to call in 877-973-7425, of course, Nicole Hannah-Jones of the 1619 Project has timed in, chimed in that uh, in this country, uh, you can kill even white people if those white people were protecting black people. It's the legacy of 1619 You know, she's crazy, but, I mean, her craziness is always on message. you got to give her that. By the way, I would not encourage you people in your local bookstores to move her 1619 Project book to the fiction section. It would be appropriate, but I would never seek to encourage you to do that. Uh, Tom, you are going to be the next caller on the Eric Erickson Show. Tom, welcome. Uh, Yes, sir.
3: I just wanted to make a point, and I'll get off. Uh, But if the shoe had been on the other foot, Say, if out had been the victim and been killed, that story probably would not have even made the Metro section in the Kenosha newspaper. Yep. It just plain didn't fit the narrative. Yep. Now, I just
0: wanted to make that point. Yeah, listen, I, I Tom, I think that's a, a point well said, that it is amazing uh, how the media spun up a, a story here. And they spun it up in large part... In large part, because the media had made the rioters the heroes, let let's we should not forget this aspect of it. I think I I, you got to be deadly serious on this point. When small business owners in this country rioted last year, they didn't riot; they protested. They showed up at state capitals around the country because they were tired of lockdowns. Their businesses were going under. They wanted to go back to work. The media made them the bad guys. They vilified them. You know what, April Ryan, the White House uh, reporter for, I think, PBS? Or no, 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 she's for um, she's for some uh, urban news network, I think. Said that if these people got COVID, they needed to be denied oxygen in ICU space. They should have to give it up. All they wanted were their businesses to reopen. They were attacked for not wearing masks. They were attacked for gathering. They were attacked for protesting. They were attacked for using their constitutional rights. After the death of George Floyd, members of the media attacked anyone who stood in the way of the protesters, made the protesters the hero, didn't care they were not masked, denied and downplayed the spread of covid even though COVID was directly related to those mass gatherings of unmasked people at the height of the pandemic, their their protests were more important, their civil rights were more important than the spread of COVID. They had every right to be there in a way the peaceful small business owners did not. And members of the media, including the Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones claimed, the destruction of property was not violence. These people had insurance anyway. It was remarkable to see the double standard. And so much of the media coverage of the situation was shaped through that lens in the press. It's it's no wonder people think Kyle Rittenhouse went across state lines with a gun because that's how the media covered it. They're still, even though he's been found not guilty and the facts have come out that that wasn't true, they're still covering it that way hard to give him a fair trial. Now, here is something you do need to know. Uh, Kamala Harris has been president today. The first time a woman has been president of the United States, only acting president. Uh, Joe Biden had a colonoscopy. They were trying to find his brain. And while he was under anesthesia. They gave Kamala Harris the powers of the presidency. And, of course, writing is starting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. With I don't know that uh, they found Biden's brain during his colonoscopy, but he's apparently out of anesthesia and the powers of the presidency have reverted back to him. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, David, you are going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How
3: are you? All right, good. Since we're talking about juries and verdicts and things like that and what the Constitution actually says, there's one thing that constantly drives me nuts, and I cringe every time I hear it. And I hear the media do it constantly. Kamala Harris has done it recently. Keisha Lance Bottoms, and I even heard Hannity make this slip up this week on his show. The Constitution provides for a jury that is impartial, not a jury of your peers. By definition, a jury of your peers is going to be partial, and that's, you know, it's one of these little things that just bothers, bothers the heck out of me because everybody assumes that they're going to get a jury of their peers, and you don't want a jury of your peers. You want an impartial jury, both the defense and the prosecution should want
2: an
0: impartial jury. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I see what you're saying And, and you make a fair point there. Keep in mind though, where the phrase, um, the jury of one's peers comes from, it's actually comes from the Magna Carta. Uh, which English common law that we embraced comes from. Uh, it's actually the phrase is a judgment of one's peers. Uh, the lords were entitled to a judgment of his peers. Uh, and so that's that's where the phrase comes from. And it, it is a phrase that is woven into the idea of an impartial jury because in uh, ancient times and near ancient times, a king could put his beloved peers in, in charge of a jury. And the peers are what? The peers were the lords, the house of peers and the house of lords mean the same thing. Now the peers now mean ones equals. Now peers is kind of misunderstood in in this day and in commonality. So if a judgment of my peers, well, I got to have a judgment of, of talk show hosts of America. That's not really what it means. Um, What it means is, to your point, an impartial jury. It means people who live in society uh, who are reflected around you, which means that I am entitled to a jury of people who live in my surroundings, that you should not have people who live in Atlanta, Georgia, decide uh, the verdict of someone who lives in South Georgia unless the defense itself asks for that to get a an uh, impartial jury, so for example, you could have a trial. Uh, oh, what was the trial? The 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 guy in an, in Cobb County who allowed his kid. Uh, to be in the back of the car and, and the kid died. Remember that? Several years ago, those of you in Atlanta it became a national trial. It was a man who apparently, I, I guess he was having, I can't remember all the details, but they moved the trial to South Georgia and allowed a South Georgia jury to decide it uh, because they thought that the media in Atlanta had so overhyped the case. This happens sometimes where you ask for the court to move the jury. But we shouldn't dismiss the idea of people saying a jury of your peers because it comes from the Magna Carta. The entire English common law system and trial by jury is built on that phrase, uh, the judgment of of his peers within the Magna Carta. It actually has a validity there. Uh, but what it means is an impartial jury of people who live in your area uh, that is not stacked against you in some way. That's that's where it comes from. So I don't want to go on an entire diatribe on that one because I, I, I totally get the caller's point. But you do have to understand the history therein of, of the phrase judgment of one's peers. It does not mean that we got to have white teenagers decide Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, what it means is we got to have people from that area where the crime took place decide the area. It's so badly misunderstood. I feel like I'm starting to lose my voice on this one now. There's so much other stuff that I wanted to talk about today, and, and I kind of lament that I can't get to it. But this this trial is a very, very big deal. And people are on social media and on the television losing their minds right now. And I have a wonderful service whereby I am able to come in and grab this information and pull it so that you can listen to it. How people are melting down. This is Paul Butler. He is an MSNBC legal analyst.
7: But as the prosecutor said in his closing argument, the only person who
0: killed anyone was Kyle Rittenhouse. We know that armed civilians are now part of the American political landscape. Wait a second. You mean they weren't? Before this, I thought some states had open carry. What? What some may take from this verdict is that vigilante justice prevailed. And that's a serious public safety concern. Maybe uh, the more serious public safety concern is the police not being allowed to stop the rioters. Maybe, just maybe, we should consider that. And then there's Joyce Vance, who's not a smart person but is pretended to be one by the media, was on with uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press Daily on MSNBC. Joyce, was this a well-defended case or a poorly prosecuted case? Or a little bit of both?
1: You know, there was some of everything not to like in this case, from the way the judge conducted it to some of the strategic decisions the prosecution made. The defense, um, you know, as we say, was good enough. And and the key point of the defense was arguing self-defense. As a former prosecutor, this strikes me as an odd situation for self-defense. It's something akin to saying that if you go into a bank and rob it and people are trying to apprehend you, you can then shoot your way out and claim self-defense. You know, that's a little bit of what Kyle Rittenhouse did. He created this problem and then he proceeded to threaten people to get out. Typically, you can't claim self-defense in a situation where you've provoked the incident.
0: She's right. She's right. She's right, but she mischaracterizes it because he didn't provoke it, and, and the judge allowed the self-defense case to go forward because Rittenhouse did not provoke it. He was chased down the street. He was not chasing others. They chased him. And I guess she doesn't know this. It, it, it is remarkable the number of people on television who are opining about these facts, and they're wrong. And, of course... There is Jacob Blake's uncle. You should keep in mind that it was Jacob Blake's family who called the police on him. You're
6: you're really quickly, quick. uh, it's you're a little right tight. Not um, gonna we're not going we to quit. We're not going to stop. we hey I'm going to send this guy back
0: quickly. Really quickly. you got other people talking as they're trying to record that guy. But he, he says we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to use peace and protest. Well, you get to protest as long as it's peaceful. And let's let's not forget that these were not peaceful protests. These were not peaceful protests. There were it's a lot of destruction. And keep in mind, I, I read you earlier from Barry Weiss's newsletter. One of the big issues here is that the media covered. Remember, fiery but mostly peaceful. That's what they said. That it was fiery but mostly peaceful. It wasn't. Mostly peaceful? It, it was not. It just – that's that's not true. That's, that's not honest. And yet that's how they covered it. That's how CNN chose to cover it. Fiery but mostly peaceful. And that's disheartening to see a news network have shaped coverage this way. And then when they did shape the coverage that way, they failed in all honesty and candor to – point out that those businesses that were burned, contrary to what many members of the media said, were—they didn't have the insurance. They didn't have the insurance coverage that the media claimed they had. It's just—it's sad to see so much of the media in a situation like this uh, not be willing to honestly, accurately cover— What's going on in the case? So many people out there right now, so many of the members of the media out there who are commenting on this case don't even seem to know the basic facts of the case. They don't seem to understand what's going on or what went on. Now, Jacob Blake's lawyer is speaking at the moment. I I want to cover him a little bit.
2: Any civil actions? What's that? Do you plan to represent him in civil actions? I, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I don't do civil stuff. You're a,
6: veteran, you you're a veteran criminal defense attorney. Talk about what's the one thing you learned if you had to say the biggest takeaway from this case, what you learned?
2: Every case is different and every case has surprises. Um, you know, I learned I could wait 24 hours for a verdict. What about, uh, what happened to the $2 million bond? I expect there will be a fight over that. Um, You know, John Pierce is the person who posted the bond. Um, All of that money was raised on behalf of Kyle. Um, Lynn Wood and Fight Back say that they're entitled to it. Um, There was, and when I, I'm using round numbers, but there was half a million dollars, I think, that came directly from Wendy Rittenhouse. From money she had raised, so there's going to be a fight over that, and I'm just thankful that there will be a fight over that because if he had lost, it wouldn't have mattered.
4: You know, Kyle what had aspirations see- to be a first responder. That's still he
2: wants to be a nurse. He still
6: wants to be a nurse. What would you say your biggest takeaway is from this 25-plus-hour jury, jury deliberation? What do you think that that says?
2: I need to be more patient.
0: That's Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer speaking on the steps of the courthouse. There were a crowd has gathered a uh, very happy man today. Happy with that verdict. Kyle Rittenhouse, a very happy man today. A lot of angry people. And keep in mind, a lot of that anger and rage is based on willful distortions by members of the media who reported facts that were not so. Hello there. It's me. Glad to have you with me. Uh, look, I have I've I've been digging around I have not been able to find this is this is a mystery, folks. The White House is keeping information from us. They will not say whether or not they found Joe Biden's brain when they did the colonoscopy earlier. They they they're neither confirming nor denying it. They're, they're not saying anything. Well, the doctors who say it's patient patient privilege information. Uh, they, they put Kamala Harris in charge to go do that colonoscopy, and no report on his brain. But he is back now and back in charge, and I gotta I gotta give the President of the United States some credit. Arriving on the South Lawn, he was asked about the House verdict. This is a direct quote from the President of the United States. I stand by what the jury has to say. The jury system works. Good for him. Uh, that that was that was a spot on message by the president of the United States. Maybe they found his brain. I, I maybe maybe they're letting letting him borrow it for a little bit. I don't know. But that was that was a pitch perfect statement. Listen, again to review here: Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all counts. And this situation would not have happened had the law enforcement system worked in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Had the left not internalized that they could be destructive, this would not have happened. Had law enforcement been emboldened and encouraged to stop the rioters, it would not have happened. They were told to stand down. This would not have happened. And so many people out there think that these businesses had insurance, and they did not have insurance, many of them. Some of them had insurance, and it was un- they were underinsured. They lost everything it's sad. And two people lost their lives. They were not there to defend black lives, as some people said. They were there to participate in the rioting and the vandalism and the destruction. And they tried to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. And he had every reason, every right and the means to defend himself. So much of our reactions now in society are based on our tribe. And we decide that a verdict is just or unjust based on whether or not we're rooting for the people, not based on the facts. The jury itself is required to weigh the facts. Now, if I could just leave you with one thing here this this Friday afternoon, don't. none of us want to serve on juries. I don't blame you for not wanting to serve on a jury. But for our system to work we must have juries, and for the juries to work, we must have fair-minded people willing to serve. If, if you own a business, let me talk to you business owners, I know it's an inconvenience when your employees are gone, I do, but you should probably consider incentivizing your employees to be willing to serve on juries to give up their time to do it. Yes, it's inconvenience, it's a pain in the butt for you and for them, and they don't wanna do it, but figuring out a way to make it more convenient For your employees to want to serve on a jury, you really should do it because our system requires all of us to step up on occasion and do these things. And there are a lot of employers who get mad at their employees. Don't encourage them to be a part of the system.